0: And welcome to the second episode of The Other America, the Latin American podcast for the UK audience. I'm Ollie Hammett.
1: I'm Rose Lander. Hello, welcome to episode two.
0: Yeah, good to be back Rose, isn't it?
1: Yeah, good. And we've got a lot of good stuff in this episode for you today.
0: We thought we'd take a deep dive into a place that's not really covered uh, in the UK at all. In fact, i didn't really know its status at all until, I'm ashamed to say, quite recently. I don't know about you, Rose.
1: Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, that's one of the things we wanted to do with this podcast anyway, was to bring you stories from places that don't often get covered in the UK anyway. But we are going to talk to people from Puerto Rico today, which is a really fascinating place, and I learned a lot from talking to them. I think previously... Um, I had heard a lot of references to Puerto Rico from American culture, uh, for example, um, following Lin-Manuel Miranda, the creator of Hamilton, um, and the historical figure of Hamilton was from Puerto Rico. So it was those kinds of like cultural references that I knew about, but I didn't know a lot about the politics or um, the identities.
0: Exactly. I think identity is a really interesting word um, that we wanted to explore with our interviewees. Um, I was told by one of them that politics is the national sport of Puerto Rico. <laughs> yeah, aside from Lim manuel Miranda, Puerto Rico is famous for a great many things. Um, primarily it's culture. Um, it's, very, it's really, really contributory to Latin American music. Artists such as Daddy Yankee. Uh, Nicky Jam, uh, Jose Feliciano. Uh, Jose Feliciano, of course, famous for his hit Feliz Navidad, which uh, you may know comes on in my house every Christmas.
1: Oh, Ricky Martin.
0: Ricky Martin, Martin, of course, yes. (laughs) Uh, All hail from this small island, Puerto Rico, and have made themselves into global stars. And first up, we wanted to provide you, our listeners, with a quick digest of Puerto Rico's history, what it's contributed to the world, and where it is now. So, here we go! Puerto Rico is an island about a thousand miles off the coast of Florida. It was originally called Boriquén by the natives there who were called the Taino, and their language still remains with us today. It gives us the words in Spanish and English for things like barbecue, hammock, tobacco, and hurricane. At the end of the 15th century, historians estimate there were as many as 60,000 Tainos living on the island, and then in November 1493, a man called Christopher Columbus discovered Puerto Rico for Spain. Now the Spanish conquest obviously transformed uh, the continent of America in general, and it would be remiss of us to continue with this without recognising the huge losses and awful slavery imposed on the indigenous peoples of Latin America by the Spanish uh, and unfortunately it was the same in Puerto Rico. A combination of disease and warfare drove communities to the brink of extinction. For about 15 years the natives were forced into a system of slave labour and some say many Dainos committed suicide rather than live under Spanish rule. Eventually their slavery was made illegal, but within 50 years of Columbus arriving on the island, their native culture had essentially disappeared. And with the native population gone, the Spanish needed more labour and brought African slaves over to Puerto Rico for over three centuries. Puerto Rico belonged to Spain until the end of the 19th century, when it was invaded by the U.S. in the Spanish-American War. The U.S. in its ascendancy as a global power and Spain very much in its decline. And when Spain lost the war, it ceded its last territory, so that's the Philippines, Cuba and Guam, to the USA. Since the U.S. colonization, tensions between them and Puerto Rico have always been fairly high. For nearly 50 years, the island was governed by somebody from the US, so not somebody born in Puerto Rico and it was marked by protests and even some massacres at peaceful demonstrations. Finally, in 1950, they were allowed to draft their own constitution and this is known as the Constitution of the Commonwealth of Puerto Rico. Even in 2020, Puerto Rico is still an unincorporated territory of the United States, so this means that it belongs to the US, but it's not a state. And as a result, Puerto Ricans are US citizens and they use US dollars, but they aren't allowed to vote in US elections. A bill for Puerto Rico's incorporation as a state or independence from the US has never made it to the Senate.
1: So we have learned a lot, as we said, uh, through the creation of this um, episode about Puerto Rico. And I had no idea myself of its status as essentially a colony of the United States. And we spoke to a Puerto Rican woman who lives in London about this uh, issue. Well, about a lot of things, but she was really passionate about the status of Puerto Rico and told us a lot. Her name is Naomi Bonafu, and she is an actress based in London.
2: So it's, it's a very complicated political situation. Uh, we don't have a voice. We have someone that can go and sit in the Congress, Puerto Rico in the United States, uh, in Washington. He's not allowed to speak. Um, so everything that gets shipped into Puerto Rico needs to be in an American boat. So in an American boat that is, has been made in America. So let's say if I want to buy a mango from Dominican Republic, the mango needs to go to Miami, that needs to change boat, and needs to be shipped to Puerto Rico. So that means like blueberries are $8, $9, like stuff that is not uh, that needs to be imported, is ridiculously expensive. You go and buy an orange, it's just $5. And the people don't, like, don't really click into it, don't realize. There was, there was a time in Yurik and Maria, that we asked the American government because all the all the countries, Cuba, for example, Canada, everyone was sending help because it was a uh, situation. It was awful. Uh, there was no enough water. There was no enough food. Uh, there's no electricity. There's no power. And, and and they went. They wanted to send some food to to us. And so we asked the government, uh, U.S. government, to take the John's law for the during the crisis to, to, most of not stop their John's law And they did for 10 days, but in 10 days in a boat, like what can you get done? Like it's impossible. So by the time that they arranged everything, the boat arrived, they were turning them away because this boat is not going to come in for free. And all the help was to be left in the port. Um, and there was a massive uh, revolt about this. Um, and they even kicked, the government out like, there, they made him resign the first time that the Puerto Ricans have revealed.
0: So that was um, Roselló.
2: Roselló.
0: Uh, yeah. Okay, so that was why he was expelled from.
2: Yeah, it was expelled because there was a chat that it was, uh, it's crazy because the corruption is huge, it's massive, it's so sad. It was, there was a chat that um, in his sort of like, um, sort of like, uh, uh, team, the Secretary of State and everyone, and this chat, they sacked somebody, one of them, not not clear who, and so this person published these 800 pages of their conversation of him and his team, which are all high school friends, all rich kids that are running running the government like youngsters and they and they, it was published um in this chat, it was said that that they were um they were talking very despective about women, they were um very misogynistic, talking about uh models that they wanted to bring around so they could do this and that like a very offensive language. They said they wanted, like there was a problem and they wanted to divert the public opinion. So then they said, is there not, a, there's not like a dead people or something that we can put in the press. So, so they forget about it. Um, and, 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 and he also lied to the, to the people and said there was 26 people that died because of the hurricane. And Harvard University went there And they got a study, uh, went into every corner, you know, the houses. And and they found out that 4,600 people died instead of 26, that it was what they said. So so the people had to bury their loved ones. There was no bridges. There's no electricity. There's no money. There's no light. Uh, There is crisis. You lost everything that you have uh the people had to bury their people their dead people in the backyard in the backyard because there was no access to anything so when they published this after the people was like doing queues for an hour to get ice to get water to get food uh it was the, the people got really angry um And and a a protest like I've never seen in any history. And everyone in the world, we did a protest in London as well. Every Puerto Rican around the world, from Korea, South Korea, London, Barcelona, Paris, all the cities. Every Puerto Rican that was there, that, we all got together. And uh, not only raised funds at the time and sent help, but also got together to make this guy re- uh, resign and he did. Yeah. And what we need to understand is that Puerto Rico has been uh, educated, miseducated with this, a lot of fear of, of if we are not part of the United States, let's say we're going to be like Cuba. But this so to the point, like, because there was a whole lot of history in communism and all that, that Cuba didn't have shoes, didn't have, but you know, there was a lot of uh, misinformation about, about them uh, just uh, just canceling the United States altogether and trying to raise as a country. Cuba was blocked. We have been installed fear. It's something I've heard since I'm a little girl you don't want to be like Cuba. And at the moment we are worse than Cuba because we don't even have the health, health system that will, you know, or education or, or all these things that are basic, you know, work, health, education, all these things that are basic to human rights, we don't have that. And this status referendum have won two times now you take that to the american congress and that doesn't mean anything they're not going to make puerto rico a state because it will be a democrat state mm-hmm. and they no, they don't need that like politically it's not in, it's not convenient <laughs> for them
0: because i was reading i think is it right there was one there was a referendum in 2012 and one in 2017 <laughs> right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and i read that the one in 2017 it was something like over ninety percent of people in Puerto Rico were in favor of statehood, but only twenty percent of people voted.
2: Yeah, exactly. So, like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go and vote for something that is a lie. So the people, mainly people like I know, most of my friends who are the cultural, artistic, like, so like they didn't, well, they didn't go and vote because it was a joke. It was, it was something that it, we're not supporting you. Because whatever you vote, it will be it will be what the people don't want. Um, not the majority of people, uh, but we think me and the people I know, we think that without a John's law and without uh, all these impositions that we have over the United States, we will be better off as an island, as an independent island um, also like. My, I am a daughter of, of a Vietnam veteran, and my dad got cancer in the United States in, the, in Vietnam because of the Agent Orange, and we were not protected at all as a family by them. So for me, it's even like personal that I do not want to associate myself with this uh, politics, with these people uh, at the moment, as like there's tickets to Puerto Rico from Texas, the biggest coronavirus uh, for, I mean, it says for $11. During Hurricane Maria, when we, I wanted to take my mother out of the island because she lost her roof of her house. There was no electricity. She's an elderly person. I wanted to send her to, the tickets we're going to leave were 2,000 pounds. So like for me, I. I don't, I don't, as a self-respect, as a Puerto Rican, I, I do not agree that we should be imposed um, and 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 hostage, really. The, the Americans are coming to Puerto Rico, what happens in Puerto Rico stays in Puerto Rico kind of thing. And uh, now in this virus, they're not, they're refusing to wear masks to go into the shops. Um, one of them got beaten up trying to go into La Perla because they asked her to wear a mask and she refused. So, like, the woman was, like, had a black eye and everything. A, the way the Puerto Rican was made so rich is because we have a very strong influence from the slavery, from the African. Uh, there's all the voodoo, all the santeria. Uh, a great, greatly influenciated the music big time. The... Also, I mean, we the we, Puerto Rican people are just like, wah, wah, like so creative and so alive, and they love to dance, and, and it's very, even like going out at night is very essential. Like the way their frogs, like, tru-tru, 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 like it's like um, it's full of this energy, that um that I think influenced everyone, everyone. Uh, you know, if you're Puerto Rican, you don't dance, it's like, why are you even? Like, <laughs> there is a lot of talent um, that has been like from, uh, from the slavery, from the years and years and years, uh, that has made Puerto Rican the fusion that it is, from Spanish to mixing Spanish and African and our own native Tainos uh, culture. So they were all very musical cultures and they kind of like got together and and Puerto Ricans started doing salsa first. Uh, Some argue that it was Cuban as well. The the reggaeton kind of like started there. We had huge artists like Ricky Martin and Bad Bunny. Uh, always, I don't know something about Puerto Rico that we've been a colony for 500 years and we, they, uh, like, for a colony from the United States for 100 years and they have never been able to make us speak English. There is no chance, like, that we kind of, like, we're strong, strong, strong. When I, when I moved to London, I didn't speak English. I didn't, and I had a B.A., I couldn't be English. I think Puerto Rico needs to be educated, re-educated, um, because uh, there's something like an islander mentality. And and like and we go on about it, uh, and Calle 13 goes on about it, uh, even Bad Money, all the Ricky Martin, everyone speaks out. Like the people that have a voice, you know, trying to make the people come on, but you can do it, like, you know, but... But there is even my, my grandmother. She's grateful that she has a bathroom because the United States came to Puerto Rico, uh, and because there was a lot of suffering. So there is a lot. I think there's a whole lot of hope with the new generation. Uh, in the in the protests, we saw it uh, with everyone saying, "You messed up with the wrong generation," you know, because now we have cameras, we have social media, and we don't. We're not having any of But there is still like from the baby boomers onwards, like there is um, this and there are strong voters. They will show up, they will go. Never up to this last summer, the summer of of 2019 that that we've seen uh, such an uprising. For first time, the only colony remaining in Latin America.
0: Thank you to Naomi for that absolutely brilliant interview. We'll be hearing more from her later. Rose, what did you what did you think about that whole political situation?
1: Ah, I just find it um, quite difficult to get my head around. I think, um, and it just seems like it, it's such a complicated situation. As we'll discover later on, obviously, not everyone in Puerto Rico feels the same way, and they all have. There's lots of different ideas about what should happen. But I was really grateful to Naomi for talking to us so passionately about it.
0: Yeah, incredibly passionately. And um, I think that's definitely a theme that we had among our interviewees, the, the passion of the people. And it's the, aside from the politics, we also want to focus on the people of Puerto Rico in this episode. And the people, life in Puerto Rico isn't always easy for a lot of people. Um, poverty is very high. It's about 45% of people live in poverty on the island. Next up, we spoke to Julio, who is actually a Puerto Rican who has also grown up in New York. So he's known as a New Yorecan. And they've contributed their own culture to the city of New York, which we can talk about another time. Uh, But he was here this week to tell us, first of all, about what it's like to live uh, on the streets of puerto
3: rico in puerto rico they made a law that after i think i think it's after like eleven thirty. i haven't been there they might have changed it after like eleven thirty p.m if there's a red light you just need to slow down right, and take it as like a yellow light and then go through do not stop and wait for it to go green it's really violent and th- there's no there's no structure built to control it or to handle it Right but back in the a- late 70s, 80s, same was happening in New York, but then certain mayors came in and police tasks and police force, and then they, they rectified the situation. Where in PRs in Puerto Rico, it's just been they can't, they can't. There's just more people with guns than police officers. Like, it's, it's insane.
0: That is crazy. Um, like, I,
3: I know people who have a tank, bro. They have what? A, a tank. <laughs> a tank
0: <laughs> i don't even know what to say to that that's yeah. that's unbelievable
3: yeah, like like literally ha, ha, i mean you know you're not going to be ever able yeah. to use, they you're thing, not use that but they have it
0: just in case they say yeah and there have been a lot of movements towards you know uh it becoming a u.s state or even becoming independent from the u.s what are what are your views on that
3: yeah that that's always like the uh, uh, right, because like the catch twenty two on that one. Like, I love it for its culture, for its richness, for its it, its ability to be who it is as as a territory. I personally never wanted it to become a state. Always wanted it to be run by the people themselves, but because it's so corrupt and there's so many years of corruption. And there's so many people who are probably uh, in debt because they're they're so deep into the corruption that there's no way out of it. That I think to ch- to make change, they're gonna have to become, you know, become part of the U.S. officially, so then they can in- they can infrastructure the I'm sorry they can implement the infrastructure of having, you know like a senate like for ha- having having actual political status because in puerto rico right now they're it's just a mess it's just like people are part of one party or another party and then this party doesn't understand why the others are doing what they're doing so at the end of it they just literally they 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 base it on a guessing game it's such a mess right now and i'm probably gonna get slashed for it but it's literally Puerto Rico is becoming, becoming a third world country. It's so bad right now. It's literally, like in the last two weeks, I, like me and my friends were talking about it, like we're literally embarrassed. Like it's gotten that bad that you, we were talking, we were saying that we're embarrassed if someone asks you where you're from and you say Puerto Rico. All these, you know, musicians like, you know, Puerto Rico to the day we die, love you Puerto Rico this, Puerto Rico that, Puerto Rico that. But when you actually break down who runs Puerto Rico or what or how Puerto Rico is run, like I said, it already, it's like a guessing game. Like, like it's illegal to make a certain type of rum in Puerto Rico, but yet everyone has that rum, everyone wants that rum, and everyone drinks that rum. So they go, well, just keep producing it, but don't let us catch you producing it. Or a hurricane happen, and you have a year, a whole year with no light, no electricity, like. At least in this country, you know, my internet's down I or lie, I call the next day if the latest they're here because it's that developed. But in the, in, the, in Puerto Rico, it's so bad, so bad. It's it's such a beautiful place. But since the 39 years that I've been alive and witnessing it, I can truthfully say it's, it's deteriorating. And I'm passionate about that place. Like, yeah. I represent as much as I can, wherever I can. But lately, it's just been like, man, one thing after another, you know, it's almost like, like Mother Nature, Mother Nature wants to just wash it away, you know, and then start something new because you've had the hurricane, you had the earthquakes, you had political destruction with them getting the, the governor out, you know, it's just one thing after another, after another, after another. I've traveled into third world countries like I've been into I went to Haiti right after their hair their earthquake hit and they were just demolished and people but even then people were still they were still kind of structured enough to be like, okay the purpose right now is to rebuild so let's let's focus on that this is the thing about I was saying earlier about how how beautiful Puerto Rico is that everyone carries it on their shoulders you know like you can be like Mark Anthony. You can be the Bad Bunny. Uh, you know, you can be a Daddy Yankee. Whoever you have it on your shoulder, and you have to represent it. When they come here, we go to the concerts, and they say it. It's like, listen, I want to take a moment to just show love to my home. Like we're in struggle right now, and I'm outside trying to better. It. Like they just hold it because Puerto Rico, like I'm like I'm still trying to say, and I tried to say earlier, it needs an identity. It doesn't have. It doesn't have like its own structure it doesn't have its own way of 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 expressing what it and who it is Puerto Rico richport yes, we agree, but that's it. we're not a state we're not a, a a city we're not a country we're a commonwealth
0: thanks very much to Julio for that interview rosa. I was all set to uh lambast the us for its colonialism and then that word at the end of julio's interview commonwealth what do you think about the fact that the uk still has a commonwealth
1: it's a strange thing i think i've never really thought much about what the actual word means and what it means for the people in those countries it's not like some you know dictator thing or whatever where you don't feel like it's necessarily oppressive. But then when you think about it more deeply than that, it's like, well, why on earth do we still have that? What benefits do these other countries get from being in the Commonwealth apart from being able to compete in the Commonwealth Games? (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. I think that to hear Julio use that word in the context of the US, um, because I've never really thought about other commonwealths. I didn't even
0: know there were any other commonwealths in the world. No. What Julio said really put it, when he just broke down that word, I actually really thought about it properly, for almost for the first time.
1: Like, decisions are made for Puerto Ricans in the US where they don't have a say over it. Whereas, as far as I know, the structure of the commonwealth that we live in isn't interfering. There's no, as far as as, again, as far as I know, there's no decisions made for the countries in the
0: Commonwealth. Yeah, I've certainly never heard of, um, I don't know, bananas from Africa having to go to the UK before they go to Australia, for example. Yeah. When, you, when you hear about other commonwealths in the world, it actually, it really makes you think about uh, Britain's position in, in world history and what we've kind of done in the past. We always see the US as, as an aggressor
1: no, we don't really, we don't have a leg to stand on. It's not like we yeah, are judging yeah. um, other countries for their imperialistic notions because we mm-hmm. basically... Are leg- we
2: too, yeah, that's true.
1: And, you know, there's a lot of hangovers from that that actually really do still affect people's lives in a in a big way.
0: Next up, we spoke to Gabriel who is a lawyer who's lived in London for about 10 years. Uh, and he spoke to us on how family ties can affect Puerto Ricans decisions on their future.
4: I come from a family that believes in statehood as a principle, And by that I mean my immediate family and my grandparents and everyone underneath. I don't think, Puerto Ricans are incapable of governing themselves. I think we're perfectly capable of governing ourselves. We have problems, obviously. We have corruption problems. And the system is corrupt. The infrastructure is not enough. We have a lot of issues to deal with. But that doesn't mean that we're not capable of of ruling over our own affairs. But the reason why I think that statehood um, is the way to go, it's because I just don't believe in the concept of nation-state in the same way that, for example, a French person would believe in the concept of nation-state. This century, apart from the little hiccup of Brexit, the trend of all countries around the world is to unify in regional governing solutions. The United States was an exercise in that. That you know took 200 years or, or more to develop, but that's how it started. So for me, um, it is unnecessary to have a government um, that is completely independent when we can be part of a federal republic um, that you know will allow us to have access to a larger market and will allow us to um, run our own affairs actually. Uh, except under the umbrella of a state. I mean, I believe in either statehood or independence. For me, it's not a question of culture. It's not a question of national identity. It's a question of um, what are the opportunities out there for us for an island? Um, and what are the options that we have? And if we have this option,
0: why not take it? What do you think it says that Puerto Rico is the last Latin American colony, and what do you think it says about the US that it still has colonies in this day and age?
4: Well, I'm not happy with it. I think it's um, it's it's a terrible state of affairs for the people of Puerto Rico. Now, the second question, what do I think that says about the United States of America? Well, I mean, it's a contradiction, isn't it, um, In in a way? Because they, you know, the United States is founded on not being a colony of the United Kingdom. Yet it holds colonies now. They will, you know, people from the US go will say, "Well, it's not a colony. Um, it's a this or the other." No, just use or the words to describe the same thing. But it's you know, it's, it is what it is.
1: I was interested in how you said that you're from a family who is pro statehood. It, can you tell us a little bit about the importance of families in Puerto Rican culture?
4: Let me give you an example. I'm not sh- I don't think I am the only one who had this experience growing up. But I am one of nine cousins. All of us at some point or another from the ages of months years old to around 13 14 15 years old would go every single day to my grandmother's house to be cared for while my parents went to work and i got the tail end of it so i don't remember much being there with my cousins who were older than me and by then you know they had uh, gone off but my brother who was older than me you know he would go to my grandma's and be there with my with my cousins and, she would take care of all of the cousins, all of her grandchildren, from eight a.m. to five thirty. You know, she she fed us, she cared for us um, every day of you know every workday, actually. And I had growing up, I you know every single year we'd go to this hotel, the whole family for a week, all of us cousins, and we would invite also friends, and you know like we were all stay in this you know, villa that my, my, my parents and uncles rented that was supposed to be for 10 people, but we would fit 20 and, and spend a week, all of us, there. And that was every single year,
0: you know? I think I, that's definitely something I remember from my time in Latin America. I'm sure Rose would agree that just to yeah, be- Yeah,
2: definitely.
0: Just how important the family is when, if you compare it to how we see family, um, I have cousins that I haven't seen for about 15 years, but they're just out there somewhere. I can't imagine that happening in in Latino culture.
1: When I first went to uh, Latin America, I was 18 and I stayed with a family and they were absolutely horrified that I had left my family and gone to the other side of the world. And they kept asking me, they kept asking after my poor mom and how she was doing without me. And they looked after me because they, they were like worried about this little kid on the other side of the world and their family. So do you how does your family react to you being in the UK?
4: Oh uh, well, I was the one who was known that I was going to leave. So my my dad was you my dad was fine because his bro his own brother actually. My mom took it a little bit uh, less easy. Um, because of course she's my mom and she loves me and misses me and, you know, uh, that's that's what's up. And then my grandparents, you know, mixed feelings, you know, mixed there. So my from one side, they're all, everyone's very proud and happy that I'm happy. But of course, you know, there's one of my grand, one of, one of my two grandfathers used to say, every time he saw me, he's like, when are you gonna meet lovely Puerto Rican girl and come, come return to Puerto Rico and then and work here? And I'd say, yeah, but you know, Grandpa, I'm, I'm in London. I'm, I'm a lawyer in London. Like, I'm doing great over there. He's like, yeah, yeah, but you can do that here, can't you? Yeah. <laughs> Not only did I stay in London, but I married a Colombian, so.
1: <laughs> Thank you to Gabrielle for talking to us. The last time that Puerto Rico was really in the British news um, was when Hurricane Maria happened. And even that brought up, questions to do with Puerto Rico's relationship with the US
0: yeah that's right so September 2017 uh, Hurricane Maria hit Puerto Rico and Dominica and other islands kind of around the area and it's uh, regarded as the worst natural disaster to affect this part of the world uh, in history and the fallout from. The hurricane was uh, was pretty terrible.
1: President Trump's response was widely criticized for being too slow um, to help Puerto Rico and resources were sent more quickly to other places like Florida that were also affected but slowly to Puerto Rico and researchers say that that slow response um, contributed to the number of deaths in Puerto Rico as a result of Hurricane Maria.
0: Yeah, that's right. And uh, President Trump also was a key figurehead in the issue, as he often is. Uh, and a year after the hurricane had happened, he tweeted to dispute the official death toll of 3,000 people, uh, saying that, uh, well, far, far, far fewer people than that had actually died, which obviously Puerto Ricans took as quite a big insult. Um, anyway, here's Naomi to tell us more about that.
2: I think after, after the hurricane, I, 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 lots of Americans came to apologise to me for what the government was doing, uh, which was very touching. and it was very, very sweet. Um, they were like embarrassed, embarrassed about... Um, about the American government response, and I'm super sorry. Like, May, I'm so sorry. I do not support Mm. this. People, like, learn about Puerto Rico because of a natural disaster.
0: Yeah, it's a weird wake-up call.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, but, like, people say, like, really? Like, you don't vote for president? No, we don't vote for president. And, like, my dad went to war. Like, I lost my dad to a war that he didn't even vote to. Like, and, and they were made to go. Made to go and this that are compulsory I think most of the people in my generation unless that you have traveled that you are cultured that you have studied most of the people are we I think I like right now right now oh I don't I, I I mean I don't know if I live in a bubble but I don't think um, maybe I do but mm. I don't think I I I encounter not even on social media people that are that far right is is always oldest people old people or very ultra religious protestant people that's another thing as well the opium of the alleluia the protestant very 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 far right american religion which is like it's crazy because we are we are caribbeans like, we are, we are not Martin Lutherans as a religion, but it's huge in Puerto Rico, that religion. Uh, all my family, I, I was brought up in religious uh, culture. And so, um, so there is a lot of, there is a lot of, um, you know, anyone that is a liberal uh, that is running for government, no chance. Because the, the church, the past the, the politicians, they go to church to do cap- political campaigns because it's a huge place to win. Well,
0: it's, it's yeah. interesting. Did, you said earlier that uh, the US government knows that if Puerto Rico was a state, it would vote Democrat. Democrat. You, it sounds like now you're saying that quite a lot of people aren't actually that libertarian.
2: They are, they are, and they aren't. Like they will vote for Obama. But they won't but but they won't support abortion. Um there's this governor who who made marijuana made, uh, like pharmaceutical, like medical marijuana. Like they made it legal. So it's illegal in Puerto Rico. So you see all these religious people going to church, they won't support abortion, they will vote for Obama and they will smoke weed. <laughs>
1: I mean, life, life is complicated, isn't it? <laughs> there's no, there's no one chat? way for these things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> sort of changing the subject a little bit. What do you think about uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda and, and Hamilton and the, the <laughs> run that they did in Puerto Rico and everything to do with that? There's a law that uh, related to these debts,
2: the 72 billion that we were uh, yeah, talking yeah. about. There is a law uh, that they installed called PROMESA. How are we going to repay these debts? Like, I respect him as, a, as an artist and, and I do like his work, um, um, but the locals is not very popular with him. Right. So is it
1: because <clears throat> it's kind of like he actually grew up in the States, but he acts as a spokesperson for Puerto Rico?
2: Yeah and it's like it's like dude you have no clue what you're talking about you know what i mean like i mean you
1: say ricky martin ricky martin
2: grew up there i think the only thing i can attribute this is to not knowing what this promise i think was but i remember seeing him in the white house um advocating for this promise uh, bill and i was like whoa like this is this not democratic you cannot put a board of 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 people that are, they're not even politicians. They are people that have got to do. This woman was earning, like the, one of the peoples of the board, they earn so much money to a country that is in a huge debt. They're earning half a million pound a year for going there, having meetings, and their, their bill is ridiculous about their meetings. Every time that they meet up, every time that they do something, they're spending a money that we don't have. Let's not use this money on these people that are dictating whatever we are going to do or blocking whatever, they kind of like in the government um, and audit the debt and see who's taking this money.
1: We didn't want to just talk about politics when discussing Puerto Rico because it is also an incredibly amazing place for music and dance and has contributed a lot of very talented and well-known artists. So here is Gabrielle again to tell us more about what music means in Puerto Rico.
4: Reggaeton obviously is a thing that has become a huge thing, but in Puerto Rico, it's, it's more, um, ingrained in, in our society, particularly my generation, because I'm the first, I'm of the first generation that grew up with it. And by that, I mean, since I was five, I remember reggaeton, as opposed to um, other people from other Latin American countries who only start hearing about reggaeton properly after either Daddy Yankee sang "Gasolina" or Residente sang "Atrevido," which was, as far as I'm concerned, the two songs that you know made reggaeton be cool in the rest of Latin America. Yeah, I mean, and so so I grew up listening to this music to the extent that my middle school parties had that music and I've been dancing that music since I've been middle school. You know, it's a different level. And and then high school. So I know that I grew up with that and for me that's just part of who I am. What reggaeton was for us, salsa, and other types of music was for, for our parents. And and if you listen to the lyrics of some of the salsa songs and some of the, the uh um other genre of songs so I mean I'm thinking Julio Iglesias and if you listen to some of those songs they're extremely sexual they may not say the words but they're about sex but, but that's what they're about so I mean they had their own reggaeton
0: in a way it's nice isn't it that sort of every generation has their little kind of rebellion I yeah, guess absolutely. like for our parents it was like rock and roll and now for If you compare it to a UK thing, I guess it's like hip hop or whatever you're into.
4: Oh, well, rock and roll in Puerto Rico as well. You know, my dad was a huge um, Beatles and Rolling Stones fans. And, you know, he he studied in the States and didn't miss the Rolling Stones uh, concert when they visited his town. Like, he's a huge fan, so it's it's definitely there as well, yeah.
0: Thanks to Gabrielle for that again. That discussion on music brings us very nicely into our Culture Corner segment where this week we had a whole host of options to choose from uh, to best yeah. represent puerto rico but the one that we've settled on uh is a, an artist who is very very famous in latin america um but not so much in the english-speaking world i think because while he has a lot of musicality he's known chiefly for his lyrics and how clever his lyrics are um uh this <laughs> this is an artist Called calle trece. Uh, that's calle, which is street in Spanish, and then 13, which is the number thirteen. Uh, he's been around in uh, Latin America for a very long time now, for at least fifteen years. Um, and I started listening to him about five years ago. I think his, I think his wordplay and his sort of very casual, laid back, the rapping style really reminds me a lot uh of somebody like the streets if i had to compare him to a uk-based act um he's he's known for his social commentary for his very very clever lyrics and yeah i'm a big fan of his Uh, but anyway that's enough from me uh one of our interviews Naomi, me actually grew up with the man himself so here she is to tell you more
2: He's a, a very important voice. I'm so grateful for him in many ways, like, because he's also like, has never lost his school. He has gone through a very strong process, but he's always like, always remembers everyone and, and uh, it's always around, like, like, he's just like, with such a great joy of living and funny and, 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 you know, making a, a political comment always, but always, uh, yeah, funny.
1: Thank you to all our guests for this week. And thank you for listening to episode two of The Other America. You can find us on Twitter. Our handle is America underscore other. And of course, you can like and follow and subscribe uh, wherever you get your podcasts and listen out for the next episode coming very soon. I am Rose Lander.
0: And I'm Ollie Hammett. Thank you very much for listening.
1: Thanks for listening. Bye. And I think that's a good one.